Now, 7.45, it looks like the public debate surrounding how to respond to hundreds of Yemeni refugees who arrived on Jeju Island won't subside for the time being. An online petition on the presidential office's website opposing them to be granted refugee status has garnered close to 700,000 signatures, which is the highest ever number of participants for a single online petition since that system was adopted. It's been highly criticised by, as I said, a lot of foreign outlets, but um, in solving these issues, perhaps we need to get inside that mindset. Let's connect with Daryl Coote, writer, journalist and photographer based on Jeju Island, who's been looking at this issue from the ground there. And good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. So, I mean, even just the number of uh, asylum seekers has, has been mixed. Uh, one media outlet I saw uh, from abroad, from Germany, was citing nearly a 1,000, others more than 500. Uh, a number here has been the screening process to recognise 486 mm-hmm. asylum seekers. Has it been quite challenging just getting the basic facts of the matter? Well, yes and, and no. I mean, some of the issue comes with the fact that some people... Some of the Yemenis did come here, and they haven't yet applied for asylum. So that's why the number is over 500, 550 sometimes, and then sometimes you get 486, as you mentioned, which is the number that have actually applied for asylum here, to my knowledge. So that's why kind of the information is a little bit back and forth. And then when it comes to the international newspapers, they either have people who are parachuting in, who are coming here for a couple of days and then leaving, or they have somebody who are writing from other news sources aggregating from afar. So that's kind of where the misinformation and the confusion comes from. It's a story that we as a, a station have been following since last month. Can you briefly recap, though, how these people ended up on Jeju Island? It's obviously very far from war-ravaged Yemen, but the world is becoming a smaller place. Yeah, yeah. So since the the war, the civil war in Yemen broke out in 2015, thousands of people from that country left and looking for refuge. And how they got to Jeju was that many of them went to Malaysia um, because they offered, allowed them to stay without a visa. But uh, Kuala Lumpur, they don't offer refugee protection. So they were waiting there until they could find a place that had both visa-free and a country that offered refugee protection, and Jeju was just the case, but they didn't have a way to get here until a new flight, a direct cheap flight opened in December of uh, last year. And when they heard about that, they started coming. And they came starting from the beginning of this year and until there was a ban put in from, uh, a ban put in to prevent them from coming visa-free to Jeju at the end of May. So that's why there's about 500 people on Jeju now, and they can't go to Seoul because of a previous ban that went in on April 30th that prevented them from leaving the island, and now they can't come to the island anymore because of the ban that went in on the end of May. It's obviously a complex situation in Yemen. Um, We've seen images of young children looking, frankly, skeletal, um, close to death. Uh, Many of them have died of of starvation. It's absolutely horrendous. But some of the images of the um, asylum seekers here have been certainly uh, far from malnourished middle-aged men. I don't know if that prompts some of the the, the feeling online about the, the status of the people who are trying to get in the country. Do you have a better sense for us of who these people are from Yemen who are trying to call South Korea home? 
Sure, yeah. Well, they're not necessarily going to call trying to call South Korea home. They want to stay here until their country allows them to to go back until the war there finishes. Right. Um, but the, the the people that are here are predominantly men, and that's because, as they have told me, men fight the war. And so uh, either two things have happened. They fight for the rebels or they fight for the government side. They aren't really given a choice other than that. So what, either they live there and fight and die, or they leave and they try to find safety. So that's why the majority of them are young men, because that's those, that's those who fight in the war. And a lot of those that are here, there's a huge misconception about them because they're, many of them are educated. I've spoken to three or four journalists that are on the island who had to leave because of fear of assassination. There are people here that used to work for oil companies. I mean, a lot of them spent years trying to get here. So they needed money to do that. And so they had money until trying to find some sort of refuge until here here and most of their money is either run out or very quickly running out because they have no way to replenish it they've sold mu- the the gold that they had they sold land anything just to find some sort of safety so they're not um the way that people are, are assuming that they're uneducated poor or anything like that the, the, there are a bunch of individuals that are here I mean, the thing is, on the other hand, if if they're viewed as having money and being more affluent, then maybe that even feeds the idea that some have of so-called fake refugees. Again, I say that very tentatively. I don't want to be associated with that um, description myself. But that's what people are saying, isn't it? Are there any other local reasons why that is the case? Well, uh, locally, I'm... Uh Every, all the Yemenis I've spoken to have said the Jeju people have been very warm and welcome when they've interacted them with on the street. A lot of the hate comes from online, and it's, it's quite awful. It's quite vindictive and misinformed and, and you know, sadly racist that they're, they're getting confronted with. And it's oddly because people don't really know who they are or probably understand what Islam is. And they assume that they're here, as you as you said, a lot of them are calling them fake refugees, which is kind of a preposterous turn, given that the Korea, the National Human Rights Commission, did point out that people here are suffering from gunshot wounds. That doesn't sound like a fake refugee to me. No, it sounds no. like somebody who's playing war. Yeah, well, good to have you clarify that for us. What sort of conditions are they living in at the moment while they're waiting? Well, they're living in... A variety. I mean, a lot of people are living from the help of people in the community and living in houses that have been donated to them or spaces. I've spoken to people and, and helped seen people living in like uh, music studios that people had, just any space that was available as more and more people are becoming homeless as the, the remaining money that they have left is dwindling or completely gone. There's People staying at the migrant center, pretty much anywhere possible, especially since now it's the rainy season. We're getting typhoons and worries about that, that kind of bad weather. People are scrambling to make sure that people have places to stay because the streets are not uh, good for them. They're, they're not open at the moment. You can't stay there. At least 32 were said to be in need of medical attention, according to the National Human Rights Commission that spoke to uh, several of them, uh, around 100, I believe, late last month. Uh, but that went against the government's announcement that it had already offered food and medical assistance to those in need. Can you tell us more about that side of it? 
Yeah, yeah, I've, I heard that, uh, I've, I've heard that, and I looked into it, and I've talked to people, the Yemenis, and asked them if they've received any assistance from the government, and not one person has told me that they've received any help in any way. Most of the help is coming from uh, a spattering of NGOs and, and the Red Cross and people who have been taking them back and forth to hospitals to get assistance, but I haven't, no one's told me that they've received any food, any assistance from the government, despite the fact that they are a signatory to the 19... 19- 51 UN Convention on Refugees, which promises protection and asylum once they're here. So it's it's anyone's guess about why they haven't provided any assistance, because I haven't been able to get a word from them knowing what's going on. What about a guess as to what happens next to these 486 asylum seekers? Well, what we do know from the government standpoint is that they added more personnel, uh, the Justice Ministry added more personnel on June 29th to help process the applications so and the all evidence suggests that given the Korea's track record of accepting asylum seekers which is very very low down to about two three percent is that it's to hasten the process to eventually get them out kick them out of the country which is a complicated dubious prospect given that they can't really go back to Yemen so it's a little bit iffy about what will happen and what where they will go if they can go anywhere at all do we have to have the conversation when we're looking at a story like this about attitudes towards multiculturalism in in this country though because in the neighborhood where i live in seoul there's a vibrant muslim community certainly a vibrant multicultural community it's obviously not the case throughout the country though yeah yeah this is an opportunity uh, for Korea to have a conversation about uh, many different things, including racism, as well as its standing in the world. What does it want to be in relation to helping other people? And it's, it does need to have a conversation about racism because it is accepting. I'm a Lebukan. I'm, I'm from Canada. I'm a white male. And it's been very welcoming to me, but I can only speak on my case for myself. And other people don't have that same story. So there's definitely a conversation that needs to be happen now and it's on, about racism. And it's unfortunate that the Yemenis who are here on Jeju are the victims or suffering from the need for this conversation. Thank you very much, Daryl Coote, Jeju-based journalist. It's great to have your insights uh, this morning for us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me.